With the uh, first choice in the 2004 NFL Draft, the San Diego Chargers select Eli Manning, cornerback, Mississippi. Minus three with Dave Damashek. The NFL Draft is upon us, and I, for one, cannot wait. Hi, and hello, sports fan. Welcome to the newest episode of Minus Three, presented, as always, by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long, whatever that season might be, for exclusive offers and odds boosts. FanDuel, more ways to win, and so long as you're going to be gambling on it, you may as well do it at FanDuel.com. Slash minus three, the word minus, the number three. That's how you help us out here. And, of course, speaking of helping us out, we appreciate you spreading the good word to your pals, to your family, and all the rest, and follow along at minus three pod. Very quickly, a quick review of where we stand here. Quarter of the NBA season remains. In the East, the Nets holding off the Sixers. Knickerbockers holding off the Celts. Losers of three straight. And here come the Wiz hosting the Lakers on Wednesday night. In the AL East, battle for the basement wrapping up in Charm City. Yanks and O's. Yanks looking up at the Red Sox. Gary Sanchez looking out from the dugout. The Metropolitans not setting the world ablaze at 500, but good enough for now um, to lead the NL East in the NL Central. The Buccos just two back of the Brewers. The Pirates 11-5 and five since they got off to that woeful start. Got to end at some point, but not today. Mitch Keller looking a little bit better in his more recent his most recent start. Take the Bucks on the money line, uh, minus 106. And speaking of woeful, the Pens dropped a tough one to Hench's Bruins on Tuesday night. Rangers won probably too little too late to catch those bees. Isles struggling. Still much to be determined for the playoff seeding in the best division in sports. The NHL Eastern Division, more on that. With spaghetti and meatballs to come later in the episode here, go back and listen to our first episode of the week with Danny Kelly. We had some fun chopping up this uh, this NFL draft. And uh, with all that said, hi and hello to you, Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Hey, buddy. I'm uh, obviously still flying after that ass-kicking of your penguins uh, last night. It was tremendous. Little tedious. Little tedious, right? Well, not as tedious as the one nothing game that that the the previous game looked like two soccer teams in the World Cup who both can advance to the knockout round with a nil nil draw. It looked like the defense was like, hey, don't allow an odd man rush. And the offense was like, don't get an odd man rush. Like it yes. was that was uh, even more unbearable. But um, I know you I know you like your Chris Letang and I do, too. Because for some reason he he does not play well against the Bruins, and he did something against the Bruins that I, this is this may be unprecedented. Okay, so he's on the ice for all three Bruins goals, but he's not really at fault on on uh, any of them, which is curious because you know plus minus like ah plus minus is it accurate? But what was fascinating about Chris Letang's being on the ice for all three goals was that he was. He was on the ice with Matheson when Matheson gets walked by Krejci uh, for the backhand goal. Then he was on the ice with CeCe when CeCe gets beaten for Marshan's <laughs> rebound on the post. And then he's on the ice with Dumoulin for Taylor Hall's goal. It's like, who do you play with? Because whoever you're with suddenly is responsible for giving up a goal. Like, are, what are you doing do you just stay on the ice in perpetuity? Do you, what is Latang? Anyway, 
I know he's having a good season, but uh, the guy scares me not at all for some reason against the Bruins. He's really he's very Al Pacino of NHL, which is to say spectacular a lot of the time, most of the time. But boy, he can really be obnoxiously awful once in a while. And uh, and that's the the career of Chris Letang, as good as he's been for the majority of the season. He's one of those guys. He if you can frustrate him long enough, he will make a mistake. He will get overly aggressive and you will get the odd man rush in the other direction. The thing that the Bruins do best. We'll talk about puck in a little bit here. We can dive into it a little bit more, maybe on the other side of the draft. If you want to talk about it uh, today, we can do that too, Hench. The world's your oyster. But first let's get into our best bets for the, uh, for the upcoming next few days out of deference, of course, for the NFL draft. We're going a day early if you two haven't noticed yet, uh, it's Wednesday. Um, so let's project into at least the first night of the NFL draft and beyond. Uh, like I say, the world's your oyster, Hench. Best bets for those following along, fanduel.com slash minus three, shoot. All right. So, uh, you know, I have this feeling, the, the, the QB rush in the NFL draft, right? It's like um, – th- there are five QBs and everybody loves them all. Every one of them is great. And so there's going to be this crazy QB rush at the top of the draft. You have been, have been singing. I think you've been leaning towards Trey Lance and Justin Fields have swapped places. Maybe I actually think things are going to settle back to where they started uh, with Trey Lance being the fifth quarterback to go. And so I Hmm. like him. I like over Trey Lance over six and a half draft spots, meaning he'll go seven or later plus one fifty five. I I like that bet. I think he's going to be the fifth one taken, and if he is the fifth one taken, I think he goes he goes after number six. Okay, now I also like, and this is this is tricky, but I like Alabama. Under five and a half players take it in the first round. That's plus 190. <laughs> Loco. Okay. So, so what, what you have to, so the, the obviously, uh, Jones, Waddle, Smith, and Sertan all are gone. And then right. as you get down to the end of the first round, you'll need two of Harris, Barmore, and Dickerson to go at the end of the first round. So, I think at that price, plus 190, you got a the centers had his ACL, you know, blown out. Running backs notoriously drop. Uh, and and then Barmore, for some reason, on the hot shots boards is going in the second round, uh, you know, more and more. So I like plus 190, Alabama under five and a half guys in the first round. Now, let me a, say this for you. I like Najee Harris under 27 and a half at minus 138. I think that the Steelers will take him in all likelihood. Okay. If he's sitting there at 24. But I also think that when you have the luxury of two picks in the first round, we see it over and over again. The, the, the under no circumstance should you ever take a, a running back in the first round falls away when teams have two picks in the first round. Even the bum teams that are far, far away from actual contention can't reduce, can't resist the temptation to do it. I think that the Dolphins, I think that the Jets, one of those teams is going to go after Najee Harris and uh, and end all this 
hand-wringing on the banks of the three rivers about how dare they consider taking a running back in the first round. It's going to be a moot point where Najee Harris is concerned because he'll already be off the board by 24. Okay. Continue. But they would, but you would still, your bet would still be alive. Because another, another Crimson Tide player would have to go in those remaining picks. And then my final pick, Patriots to first pick is a defensive player plus 140. I know everyone is convinced that Belichick's going to break with his, his career long, not trading up. He's, you know, that he's going to trade up and try to get one of these. First of all, we don't know that that's going to be possible. Uh, And I think if he, if he either stands pat or trades down uh, to get track, he might be looking at Trask or Mond later in the draft you know, for his, his project QB, then if he stays put or goes down, I think he's going to take a defensive player. And at plus plus one forty, that's a nice return on your investment. You know, if they can sit still and get Parsons, uh, I bet he does it as opposed to mortgaging the future on the Trey Lance gambit. I, I, you know what? I've come around. I agree with you. He's not his pal, Nick Saban stocking up for, the 2024 class he's playing a pro football season this autumn he's already got a quarterback it's cam newton i it feels like a weird double down to to trade up assets that are going to take away players later in this draft to get a second quarterback i'm with you completely now maybe they trade stefan gilmore to try trade up doesn't even if they do that doesn't even necessarily have to be a quarterback i'm with you on that one hench that's a good bet eddie spaghetti how say you? Is that are those all your best bets there, Hench? Yeah, I'll, I'll. I mean, I love the way Hot Rod Charlie has looked in his workouts. I mean, you know how closely I follow horse racing. Mm. Oh, so oh, Hot, oh Rod, okay. Hot, Hot Rod Charlie at eight to one. Wow, how can you? I was trying to play it cool, up, like I'm like, yeah, Hot Rod <laughs> Charlie's a great nickname. No, uh, of listen, Sertan, huh? right? I used yeah. to, I used to love it. I mean, affirmed in Alidar. Oh my God. I was, you know, now it's like, I look at the, you, I don't know what happened to us. It's a lot like the Oscars. Like you used to actually know the horses. Like, and now it's like, I've never, I've never heard of any of these horses, but I like hot rod Charlie at eight to one. <laughs> Eddie Spaghetti. Where the hell are you, by the way? I am you're, in a, in uh, I'm in a cabin in Yosemite. Yeah. So I'm on, I'm on vacation starting tomorrow. I had to fit this show in. It's my favorite part of the week, hanging out with you guys. I mean, come on, it's, it's draft weekend and it's uh Kentucky Derby week. And I'm not going to do a minus three with you guys. So yes, I am in Yosemite, California. And you're going to go on purpose. You're going to go walk through the mountains. Uh, no, I'd watch a couple of movies, do some light reading, oh, okay. you know, just indoors, indoors. No, of course. Yeah. I'm going to poppy hike three, three of the days I'm here. I don't understand hiking that the allure of that activity has escaped me my entire life. I don't think it's going to turn around. I don't understand. Let's go out and walk in the mountains. Yeah. But you know, it's like, it's up a hill a lot of the time it's going to get tiring and everything like, yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, listen, it's I, I, I can see I'll get I'll get in the car. What I just don't get it as a workout. It's not. It's also depressing. Like you're you're supposed to be off the grid and you're going to produce a podcast. We're looking at you. I I thought you were like (laughs) you're escaping the the big city and it's like nope, solid Wi Fi, no problem. (laughs) 
I, I look, I, I told sound everyone at extra points. I just, I need Thursday, Friday off. Um, but I, you know, we did this show in time actually worked out because the draft is tomorrow. So I wasn't going to skip out and make someone else uh previous to show. Like I said, it's my favorite part of the week. I wasn't going to skip doing this. The, the hiking can wait. Yosemite will be there tomorrow. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. I'm just concerned about your decision-making process. It's the same way as a, if I were a, an NFL uh, quarterback evaluator. Like, I just don't know. Yeah, he's got all the physical tools, this spaghetti, but his decision-making process leaves something to be desired. I point to his choice to go walk in mountains on purpose. Weirdo. I, I love it. Spaghetti is uh, Spaghetti's an Iron Man. He doesn't miss work. He's the opposite of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, who whose bodies literally cannot bear the torque of swinging a bat. <laughs> Same as Gary Sanchez, but that's not he, – he's failing physically and emotionally and otherwise, and Aaron Boone is uh, now has him seated next to him. I wish there was a uh, – on, on – April 3rd or whenever uh, Simmons and I did our rotisserie baseball draft, I wish there was a line Gary Sanchez to be benched before May plus 15,000. Like, uh, first of all, Higgy's good. That's our, that's our roto catcher. That's who we got. And I said to Simmons, this guy's going to be starting. He's better than that fucking bum. Like Gary Sanchez swings and misses at fastball strikes 33% of the time. Like you miss a third of the straight pitches in the zone, you miss them. Um, but at least he's terrible defensively. They're weird spaghetti. guys. They're weird, weird human beings when you watch sports long enough. That it's like, clearly I see something that that the Sharps don't get. And for me, on my fantasy baseball team and beyond, Eduardo Rodriguez has been that guy for three or four years. I He's always easy to get in the fantasy baseball draft. He is always super productive. He's generally on a good team in Boston. I don't understand why I always am able to feel so smart when I, it's like, I'm going to get Eduardo Rodriguez way later than I should be able to. And he's, he's leading the way for your Red Sox. He's no secret to me, but for some reason every year it's like, where did this season come from, from this guy? Like, I don't know. Look at the last few he's had. It seems yeah, like when, he, when he's out there, he's good. 19 and seven. Eddie Spaghetti. Shoot. Uh, well, I will start off with some NFL draft stuff, and I, I do love that uh, that Hench's uh, Alabama bet. I think it's awesome. But speaking of Alabama guys, in our league, we did the extra points league. I picked Mac Jones to be the third overall pick uh, and third quarterback take, and I'm going to stick with that. I know Dave even been pushing the Trey Lance thing. A lot of people have been saying, why is it not Fields? Some people even said, why is Fields not going second to the Jets? Uh, Danny Kelly, who we had previously this week, said that. And I think it's a good point. I don't know why Zach Wilson made the leap. But what I will say is when the trade first happened, people linked the 49ers with Mac Jones. I think there's something to be said about trusting Alabama's players, trusting Nick Saban, and seeing his similar numbers to what Joe Burrow did last year in the SEC. People do like that. Uh, personally, look, I agree with you. I would have take, I would take Trey Lance, I would take Justin Fields uh, over Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones played in a loaded team. But because of my bet and because of what how he was originally linked there, he still is the favorite in Fandle at minus 310. So I do like Mac Jones going third there. Um, it is Kentucky Derby week, and I have to shout out my my good buddy, Joey Kaus, who's a great horse guy, gave us some really good tips here. On Fandle right now, if you go take known agenda, it's 6-1. to one. It's a Pletcher horse, and he's known as being a closer 
for the Kentucky Derby and Medina Spirits, John Velasquez, the jockey. He's more of your longer shot at 15 to one. If you want to, you know, pair those together in a parlay of other stuff, that was the way to go. Medina Spirit is a Bob Baffert horse and, uh, you know, top trainers in a derby. It's something you got to trust. But um, in Notre Dame has won the Florida Derby. So uh, th- there's the pedigree there. If you are, if you care about that, Dave, I know you always say you, you're a pedigree snob. These horses have the pedigree. So if you're going to do that, bet them. And just to give you a regular sports bet, the Knicks, I mean, nine in a row, they finally lost to the Suns. It was a close uh, a close game. They're really, really good after a loss. They're also really, really good um, against the spread just in general this season, the last, like, 15 games or so. They have – they're going to Houston uh, this weekend, and you're going to get a nice number there because the Knicks are traveling, and our friend Martin Weiss, who does picks for extra points, says, you know, Houston right now, they just want the season to end. The players just want to go on vacation. They're not interested whatsoever. Uh, the, the players are, you know, they're injured. They just, they're just not, they're not participating. It's just going to be a, a blowout. So I really, really love the next year. I promise you the Rockets do not want the NBA season to end as much as Boston Celtics fans do. I promise you. Well, Celtic fans, it is the it has been so excruciating to top every terrible every time you have a new worst loss of the season. They're they're like, hold my beer. We're going to lose to the fucking thunder at home. Who've lost 14 straight. It's just shocking. At one point in the loss to the thunder, the non Jalen Browns were seven for 31, which is check and a test is what I shoot from fucking half court. It's like, the, the, I, I don't know. And, and nobody knows. Nobody can explain. Like Simmons is a basketball genius. I'm like texting him. What is going on? Why are the Celtics terrible? Like it would be merciful if they have to do the play in and lose to the Wizards and just be done with it. Listen, it's enough good times. I speak for the rest of sports America. It's nice to see Boston fans suffer a little bit. Our pal Coley over there, Barstool, also mm-hmm. a great follow when the Celtics are playing just to hear his frustration. Hey, listen, it's a the, the paradox of the Boston sports fan is that they can't be happy. So when I say Brad Stevens is about to leave to go to IU, they have to get mad about that, but then also they have to bellyache about Brad Stevens' team endlessly. You know what? Eat it. Eddie Spaghetti, go. Finish and the, the last, uh, yeah, so I, I still trust the Knicks. Um, I mean, Houston Rockets are bad. Maybe not as bad as uh, the the Celtics fans like uh, Hengen's making out. But the, the, they, all, they also there. hate Tuka Rask. That's another one that they hate, too. Boston fans are the worst. Tuka well, Rask. And, and, and speaking them. of. And speaking of hockey, uh, I'm unsure if you could still cash this in on Fandle, but if you could, I know the lines have been changing on it like crazy. And I hand up, I owe all of our listeners an apology for not giving this bet out weeks and weeks and weeks ago when I knew this was going to happen. But Adam Fox, he's going to end up winning the Norris Trophy, and I should have given this bet out forever ago. Every single time the Rangers score a goal, it's like Fox's name is on the score sheet. And I know that Kale McCarr's name was up there. Drew Daddy flirted with it. Victor Hedman's pretty much been the – the favor for the Norris all season long. And I know right last I checked Fox was uh, in the second spot, but people now it's, it's getting national buzz. Other big hockey podcasts and former players saying uh, the North should go to Adam Fox. He was the guy that wasn't even supposed to be the Rangers best player, best defenseman coming to this year. And he's just been like, you know, Brian Leach 2.0. And I'm sorry for not giving this out sooner. You may not get the best odds in it, but if you can get that bet still, if he's not the favorite, I, you got to go with Adam Fox. He's going to win the Norris trophy. I know. I, you know and listen, check, check. I think you can. I think you can attest because you 
national buzz, right? You can't fucking turn on the TV without hearing about Adam Fox, Norris Trophy. It's wall to wall. (laughs) It's wall to wall national coverage. It's like Rachel Maddow can't stop talking about Adam Fox for Norris Trophy. It's wall to wall. Everyone's talking about it. It, it, You'd be a fool not to get money down on this thing. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I do feel like... I do think, though, in the in in the world's most important city, New York City, it's kind of funny. It's like our our old producer at the DDFP, Black Tie, who's now with Simmons at the Ringer, made a great point about another New York team, the Knickerbockers, a while ago, or at least a guy who's now on there, Derrick Rose. He pointed out, and I, I think it may now his late stage push, Derrick Rose, may change this, but Black Tie said about five years ago that Derrick Rose is going to be the first NBA MVP to not go to the Hall of Fame. And it's it's a fascinating point. And you go through all the numbers and you go through the history and you're like, I think you're right, but Rose may end up getting into the Hall of Fame ultimately. Mm. Um, in the same, maybe not, but it, 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 it it's it's a pretty keen observation. Similarly, he, I, uh, I, think, I think Pete Rose will be in the Hall of Fame before Derrick Rose. Oh, okay. That's a that's a good that's a good uh, a good prop bet. Let's see if we can get some numbers. Now that every that. every sport is literally giving you gambling lines in live action, like the way the world has changed on gambling. He's <laughs> betting on his own team. Wow, it is. We've it come is, a long way. It is kind of like when you watch the Untouchables. You're like, this is a great movie. Connery never been better as as uh, the wise uh, the wise elder with Kevin Costner at his knee and De Niro gaining weight to play the heavy and all that kind of the literal heavy. Um, all that is uh, is true, um, but it, well, anyway, forget all that. Let's. Uh, I'm going to get into my best bets here now. Um, the Derek gonna, Rose to make the Hall of Fame. Plus 40,000. Well, well, right. No, yeah, no, well, it, it is, but it is De Niro, like, uh, anyway, uh, let's, I'm going to get to my bets here. Here we go. The pens at the caps, like the rest of the world, it's a national conversation come Thursday night. It's what every sports fan is going to be watching. I'm going to say take the Penguins and the 60-minute win line there. Um, I think they get it done in 60 minutes. They've done well, the Penguins have, over the course of this season. I don't think it's a fluke. It's owed to the to the fact that I feel like that uh, DC's um, kryptonite is speed. And unfortunately for them, that's what the Penguins have in spades. Now, the Caps might be able to bang them around a little bit. I say go with the captain there, a guy who isn't going to get the Hart Trophy this year. It's not a national conversation. An international conversation is that Connor McDavid is destined to win it off of his hat trick the other night. That solidifies him as the clear-cut champ. I think it's interesting, though, by the way, as a side note, who is the East Division's MVP? Maybe uh, Spaghetti, you and Meatballs can uh, can figure that out. But um, the uh, I do think that the Marchand versus Crosby versus Breadman conversation, that's what I was going to say, um, by the way, is – that much like black tie predicted the Derek Rose thing, Eddie Spaghetti has unearthed this and nobody's really talking about it. If Vladimir Putin doesn't step in, the Rangers are a playoff team right now. And Breadman is an MVP candidate. It's pretty crazy that that's the case. Um, 
But I will take Crosby to lead the way here, as he does when things are nip and tuck for the Penguins and and they need a decisive moment. It seems like 87 is able to deliver it. Bet him to score a goal, especially since his line was completely silenced against the Bees on uh, on Tuesday night. That does not tend to happen um, in two straight games. So I'm going to take Crosby to score a goal. I'm going to go with Mac Jones. All this Lance versus Fields versus Jones stuff. Cousin Sal... Um, kind of hit this one. I think this is the best way to bet where you think Mac Jones. Don't worry about Justin Fields at two or Trevor Lance at, or I mean, uh, Justin Fields at three or Lance at three or just bet Mac Jones over three and a half. It's at plus 230 right now. So that's probably the best way to play that one. Told you Najee Harris under 27 and a half at minus 138. And for fun, Steelers fans, all this stuff, like I say, I think Najee Harris is going to be off the, the board. There's a decent chance that gigantic linebacker who could pair up with Devin Bush and kind of create the equivalent of that uh, Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve picture when they're standing on second base next to each other. That's kind of the figure that those two inside linebackers would cut in Pittsburgh if Zayvon Collins lands there. Plus 1,900. Have some Ooh. fun, Steelers fans. I think that's uh, it's worth it based on that. I also think, as a side note, as we dig in here, we focus on the Northeast, but it's all a quarterback league. I, I think Denver winds up with Justin Fields. I think that that's uh, a, a good bet there. By hook or by crook, if they feel compelled to trade up to four or five or six, if they want to make sure that they get him one way or the other, I suspect it's Justin Fields there if you buy my logic of Trey Lance going to San Francisco and I I refuse to believe that Kyle Shanahan is so is so arrogant that he's like yep I mean the quote is we're not looking for a star quarterback I know what he means by that but it sounds absurd that you would trade up all those assets to get a non-star third overall a QB hey there you have it because you because you mentioned your beloved 87 uh you know can you describe, can you explain what was Crosby doing on Taylor Hall's goal? What was that? What was that flyby? He he could have taken the body or the puck, and he said he decided to do like a Dorothy Hamill. He just avoided the play entirely, and Taylor Hall, you know, went around him and 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 picked the corner. It was crazy. That's your that's your two-way MVP. He was, he, listen, he you you see what he is. He's the face of the league, Hench. You know, McDavid Connor might win McDavid. the heart. He might win the heart. Nathan McKinnon's delightful to watch. But, oh, by the way, I forgot to leave. I, I forgot to mention a key detail or a couple key details. The Penguins' Russian superstar Gino Malkin might return on Thursday night. We don't know about that yet. And we don't know if Ovechkin, the Russian star for the Caps, is going to play either. He's missed the last two. That's something to keep an eye on, too, um, going into that one. But either way, man, I, I I feel for spaghetti, and we don't need to do hockey. Let's get let's get into some draft stuff. But I, I I do have to say here, as we as we wind this thing up, I feel bad for the blue shirts. They should be in the playoffs. I also feel bad for whoever wins our division here, uh, whether it's your team, Hench. And I feel like no matter what the Penguins do. It's the classic catch-22 with the Bruins. Had they beaten the Bruins, it pushes the Bruins down into fourth place and solidifies the Pens as the number one, thereby setting up a Pens-Bruins first-round matchup, which 
is any Penguins fan knows is the one you must avoid. The Pens seem to have the Caps number. They seem to have the Islanders number. The one team that they that they really have a tough matchup, and it's really two. It, it's not. Um, you know, stylistic differences. It's stylistic sameness that makes these two teams. I know the Bruins are bigger and the Pens are a little bit faster, but ultimately there's just, there, there's no room out there for either team. It's, it, it, I, I don't want, I can't sit through a best of seven series between these two teams if I can help it. It's going to make well, me you, sick. Well, you won't, you know, you won't have to because it's going to be Bruins in five. Um, uh, with two carats playing that way, but I feel bad. For, I don't feel whoever, bad for spaghetti because I feel like the worst thing you can have is a team that thinks it's a contender that goes for it, that mortgages the future a little bit to get a little bit better, but isn't really going to win the cup. The, as soon as, as soon as, as soon as all the teams in the mass mutual are eliminated in the playoffs, you know, obviously a, a couple right out of the gate, um, you know, and then for some reason, I don't know why the Lightning have had no drop off with Kucherov hurt. Why are they still a juggernaut? No drop off. Um, so so the Rangers, knowing exactly how this trajectory looks like they're going to sit back. They're going to watch the other mass mutual teams slowly get eliminated throughout the course of the playoffs. They're going to be the big winner in that division because they're going to be everyone's favorite you know they weren't going to win the cup this year, and and they are going to they're they're going to be surprisingly uh, good odds to be the best team in that division next year. I agree with that, and I texted the spaghetti last night. The the Rangers, as a matter of fact, Hench, you mentioned it last week. The Rangers are going to finish up with the best goal differential in the sport's best division, and they're still going to miss the playoffs. It's really uh, it's crazy, but you know whoever wins the division, I feel bad for too because to your point. Whoever the Lightning are messing around a little bit too much with the Canes and and uh, the Panthers. Whoever wins that division has a decisive edge on the other two because you get Nashville, who's playing well, but uh, you know isn't up there with the with the top three in that division. You can't win in our. You're getting a tough matchup no matter what in uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Hench, um, where do you come down on this? And Eddie Spaghetti too, if you have any thoughts, I think Spaghetti is. Uh, is uh, a good point of reference on there. And in fact, your Patriots are too. The Giants, the, this, this debate about, for some reason, it's blown up this year. You cannot take a running back in the first round no matter what. And people point to CMC and Saquon Barkley as chief examples of this. Well, of course, the Giants shouldn't have done it because you know they were overly optimistic about what Saquon Barkley could do for them. That was a gigantic reach by the Giants that year. They were a bum roster. They weren't ready to be competitive with or without Saquon. I think the better comp, if you're a Steelers fan out there, and this is the buzz, they cannot, how dare they take a running back as though Kevin Colbert isn't going to exhaust all the other draft picks that, that uh, remain after the first round. You can still get an offensive tackle in the second round, everybody. Um, are you, but I think Sony Michelle in 2018 is the better cop. He's a finishing piece, was Sony Michelle. They rode him to pass the Chiefs and to Super Bowl, uh, to, the, to the Super Bowl win. And by the way, Todd Gurley in LA is another good example of a finishing piece that makes a difference for a team that had Jared Goff at QB. How say you? Mistake or is it okay? Well, I agree that 
I don't know why it's like there, you know, if two guys both throw 96 miles an hour, it's totally irrelevant to project their effectiveness as a major league pitcher. Like, I don't know, like some guys throw hard and get shelled and some guys throw hard and they can't barrel it. I, and like, but for some reason with running backs, you know, like it, you look at like Kareem Hunt, right? I, like there, like there's a, if this guy, they all run fast, you know, if this guy can catch the ball out of the backfield that there, that you can get value later on with running backs, partly because this prejudice is now, you know, like don't, don't waste a pick on a running back. Now, That's exactly, by the way, that is a great point that because of the momentum of no running back in the first round, it pushes down talents that 25 years ago would have been first round picks. So it's like, look at the value you can get in the round round. Third. Yes. You've spoken it into being at this point. You, bum. but when you watch oh, Derek Henry bludgeon a team, it's just single-handedly like, oh, they can't, they can't tackle that guy. Uh, you're like, well, it'd be good to have one of him. And I, I'm glad you brought up the Sony Michelle thing because, you know, Sony, you know, it's like, why, what do you, we all want to win the Super Bowl. That's it. That's all we want to do is win the Super Bowl. And so Sony Michelle, you know, he, he gets dinged. He's, you know, he does go down sometimes pretty easy, uh, seemingly. He doesn't like break tackles. It's just that that burst and then he gets four or he gets seven or or minus one. But like it's there's no evasiveness. But that 2018 postseason, he was completely dominant and was a, a huge reason they won the Super Bowl. And it's like the Chris Sale trade. OK, uh, you know, Moncada and Kepich are going to be great for a decade. We won the World Series with Chris Sale. So it's like. You, you, the Sony Michelle was the finishing piece uh, to a Super Bowl champion. So, so how, you know, how many like not so great seasons do you live with if you you won the Super Bowl? Um, now, to your point about Harris at twenty four to the Steelers, do you think the Steelers are just a finishing piece away from winning a Super Bowl? No, I don't think. But as I said already, I don't think that they are going to, if they, if Najee Harris is there and they draft him at 24, if they trade back and take him at 30 or whatever, I don't think that Kevin Colbert is then going to say, rest of the draft is canceled. Let's go out and party. We got our guy. They're going to continue to draft pieces that the, that the 2021 collective is going to need for success. Yeah, I, I, the draft doesn't end. If they take a, a tackle in round one, then they'll take a running back in, in round two. It seems pretty straightforward to me. Or maybe they'll take Zayvon Collins and really send uh, the residents. Well, on you, the you seem rivers. confident. You seem confident that your team will do the right thing in the draft. They generally, uh, no, I think they'll do right 60% right. of the time as they yeah. do. Well, well, as opposed to 2% of the time, like Bill Belichick, football right. genius. Like I, I swear to God, we've been talking about this for 20 years. Like how many whiffs can you have? And by the way, we've been revisiting the fucking Nikhil Harry, DK Metcalf conversation um, with some pretty illustrious voices weighing in on behalf of Nikhil Harry pre-draft. You know, Harry ran a 4-5-3 and Metcalf ran a 4-3-3. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, wow. Turns out that's the exact difference between being covered and open. Because if you run a 4-3-3, you're faster than the guy covering you. If you run a four five three, you're slower than the guy covering you. Has anyone ever played tag? Have you ever played tag? 
you get caught by the guy who's faster than you. That's how tag works. Like, Nikhil Harry gets zero separation because he's slower than the guy covering him. And DK Metcalf, he leaves the line of scrimmage open because when you're, if you, you know, when you get switched on to a big guy in basketball, right? You get, you know, that switch happens. And like, Spaghetti, how tall are you? I am six foot two. Okay. So I get switched on to Spaghetti and he's got me on the low block and the shot goes up and I'm like, um, this thing would have to come off the rim exactly right for me to get a rebound or Spaghetti's going to get this rebound. When Metcalf releases down the, down the sideline, like part of the reason Russell Wilson's, you know, so great at the deep ball, he's passing to um, Akeem Olajuwon, who's being guarded by Spud Webb. Like, of course, Akeem's going to get this rebound. Like he's why he's covered, but he's open. You know, Nikhil Harry it takes him 11 seconds to get beyond the safety. So it's like he's never one-on-one with Spud Webb. He can't get by the top of this of the defense. So anyway. Uh, and you know, well, the irony of that is, is that it feels to me like Belichick drafts guys. He's like, I can do, you know, Swiss Army knife kind of guys, but he couldn't project what DK Metcalf could do. I bet you it has something to do. My uh, hypothesis is he talked to his pal Saban, who got an up-close look at DK Metcalf in the SEC, and he said, he's a specimen, but he doesn't produce. And somehow that led Belichick to look in a different direction and and defy. To a whiff that changed NFL history. By the way. Obviously, if if the Patriots have DK Metcalf, Tom Brady never goes to Tampa Bay. It's like, you know, Tom Brady, I, I swear to God, first day of OTAs, threw one pass to Nikhil Harry and was like, oh my Christ, we fucking whiffed. We fucking whiffed. (laughs) And then Belichick said, oh, oh, you think that was a whiff? Wait till you see these two tight ends that I'm going to get in the third round next year. Wait till you see these two guys who are not NFL players. I'm going to take two of them. They're not going to be able to get on the field and I'm going to have to spend fucking $90 million on tight ends a year after drafting two tight ends. So, so you are confident that the Steelers are going to do the right thing. I I am I go into NFL drafts the way I go into our fantasy football draft because I suck at fantasy football. So I'm like, oh, this is going to go just like our fantasy football draft. I'm going to go in with a plan. It's going to get blown up immediately, and I'm going to end up with Joe fucking Mixon. That, that's how my fantasy drafts go. You go and into the fantasy how- draft kind of like the rest of the NFL was going into it uh, during the Brady years in uh, in New England. Like we already know before this even starts, who's going to emerge victorious, who the dynasty of our league is. It's Dave Damashek. Spee, I'm the goat of fantasy. You're the goat of the blue top uh, where we would play our three on three ball. Tom Brady is the goat of pro football. The middle one, Eddie Spaghetti says, He's ready to replace you as the goat in uh, in pickup basketball. He thinks he's really good. Eddie Spaghetti says he's good at every sport, and we're hey, going to have to have an extra point. I, I, never, I never said anything about basketball specifically. You well, said you were good at basketball. And you good at sports, yeah. Well, I got news for you. Spaghetti would also beat Bill Russell at basketball now. I'm 70 years older than he is. <laughs> fucking what the, what the, how is that a fucking – whoa? Fair. Who are you going to challenge next? Well, the George extra points. Well, producer uh, Jim Cunningham over on Extra Points and Beyond, he also fancies himself a ball player. I see. I don't want this, Hench. Can't you? Can't you? You know, like pull an alley and give a youngster his comeuppance. I'm trying to. The, 
Well, Spinks did beat uh, Ali first, and then Ali delivered the comeuppance to to the fraud, the, the late great Leon Spinks. Um, hey, once I, I can get back in an MRI tube, which we've all been looking forward to during the pandemic. Hey, when can I get another fucking MRI on my knees? It's great. It's great. It makes me sad. Uh, I'll if, never play if, pickup ball again. I know from from playing from from wrestling with my six year old boy. That's enough evidence to know if I ever tried to play basketball again, I would either have a torn Achilles or a back beyond repair within the first three minutes. I can't I can't wrestle with a six year old anymore, let alone play ball with grown up men, especially uh, men of uh, the carriage of Eddie Spaghetti. Bump into that slob once that's going to put me in a wheelchair for half the for, for half the record year. we yes yeah, so we did discuss who's good at sport but i never said explicitly i would beat hench one-on-one in basketball that never came out of my mouth and by the There's way one, i don't care for spaghetti one-on-one is the worst measure of my basketball ability that's one-on-one fair. Is I, the I, worst. I, like uh no i'm gonna run baseline off a screen and i'm gonna bury the jumper but i gotta now i gotta create not only create my own shot but i have to fucking contend with a guy much bigger than me defensively well listen one way or the other we're gonna have a tournament we can focus on that one-on-one too i also think hench we can dive in on this after the nfl draft when we have a little more room i want your thoughts a week from now who would win if we had two one-on-one tournaments in the nba for guys 6'9 and down and 6'10 and up, who would win those two tournaments? We'll get your answer to that next week. Real quick, let me tell you something, fellas. We've all had the dream. You know you have. I certainly have. Tie game, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. Well, on FanDuel Sportsbook, you get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right. New users get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win, and it only gets better from there. Once you have your account, you'll have access to same-game parlay insurance all season long. That's up to $25 back in site credit each day. If your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short, this way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win. Of course, we keep our eyes on the AL East and the NL East and uh, where the Buccos are concerned, the NL Central. Spaghetti, what's the best bet uh, that we can advise people on making um, upcoming here in the next couple of days? Look, you can call me biased. I want to stick with my You're biased. I know that Hench is, uh, has been ragging on them, and rightfully so, especially with Gary Sanchez not being what uh, we're accustomed to seeing. But, uh, you know, despite Matt Harvey and the Orioles beating the Yankees the other day, the same record I know between these two teams, the Yankees are still the significantly better team. The bats will figure it out. And when you have a pitching matchup, Jordan Montgomery for the Yankees, who, you know, most people believe in should have a pretty good season this year versus Jorge Lopez of the Orioles with like an 8.15 ERA. I'm going to side with Jordan Montgomery. I think Thursday night, the Yankees will get it done. That's an easy bet to make. They will win that game. I agree with you as a matter of fact. So just download uh, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up and use the promo code MINUS3. Again, the word MINUS, the number three, to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code MINUS3. Real quick, because, I mean, I saw it on the rundown. I, I never know if we'll ever talk about anything on the rundown ever. But – um. I got, I had this funny thing happen where it's like, okay, you know, gambling, like, you know, I gamble, I, it makes it more interesting. Not a lot. Like I'm not, I'm not insane. You're never, you're ne- I'm never gonna have to sell my television. Um, but this was the first year 
that two of our pals, Dratch and Sal, both were like saying, here's what you got to do on the Oscars. Here's here's how to here's what you do on the Oscars. And I'm like, what? I'm not betting on the fucking Oscars. Or what are you what are you guys talking about? And Dratch was like, favorites always win. The favorites always win. It's free money. And I'm like, uh, I just I haven't seen the movies. I don't know. I just don't feel I'm not going to bet. I'm not going to bet a thousand dollars to win a hundred dollars on a movie. I didn't see Like, I don't, I just, it makes no sense to me. That's so how I, I just, feel about Zayvon Collins. I yeah. know it's <laughs> football. Maybe I'm not steeped in it, but I still like it anyway. Go so ahead. it's a big, it's a big stay away for me. And then Sal tweets out, you know, make sure to include Chadwick Bozeman on all your parlays. And I'm laughing because I've just been getting, going through this text thread with Dratch. Like, wow, this is the mortal lock of all time. Such a mortal lock. That that the producers uh, go, you know, what we're going to do. It's like, you know, we've had the in memoriam already, but fucking won't be a dry eye in the house. Let's bring it home by making best actor the last award of the night. Oh my god, this is going to be great! It's such a colossal fuck up. I I can't like, and it's like, oh my god, you you got I mean, you, the one thing you did do is you proved you don't know the results. You did prove <laughs> you did prove that the producers don't know what's coming out in that envelope. But I saw that I saw that result on my phone and I was like, oh, my Christ. I, I hope everybody ignored. <laughs> I hope everybody ignored Dratch and Sal the way I did because they, they were very compelling. Um, but uh, you 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 took it in Ma Rainey's black bottom. If you bet uh, if you took their betting advice. Good Christ, that that was that was a fucking bad in the piece voters' of defense, though. In the voters' defense, maybe they thought Anthony Hopkins had also died. That's <laughs> it, it's possible because uh, you know when, that's one of those ones. I love the game. Uh, me and David Feeney love texting back and forth. The um, the the people, the Sparky Anderson, um, Angela Lansbury effect. Got people who. Uh, assume a certain physical look at about like 42 and then stay that way until they're 87 at least. And um, Anthony Hopkins, when we first really get introduced to him, unless you saw him in the bounty as American uh, movie fans, Anthony Hopkins, like we get to know him in silence of the lambs. And I mean, he looks like he's 60 at that point. And he and and that was how old is that? That movie was like thirty five years ago at this point. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. No, maybe thirty years, but it doesn't make any sense. He's one of those guys. Actually, Hedge, I wanted to ask you. That's uh, when I mentioned De Niro, I got uh, I got sidetracked in my brain, um, and I couldn't complete my thought because I got because uh, I wanted to ask you this. Let's so let's do it now. We can either do it draft style or we can do it Oscar style. Eddie Spaghetti, Kevin Hench, Dave Damashek. Let's vote now. Oscar category, best mob movie ever. Is it The Untouchables? The Godfather? Godfather 2? Goodfellas? And the winner of the best mob movie of all time is Eddie Spaghetti, your vote. I think Godfather 2 is probably the best movie of all time, but I think in terms of what I want to rewatch the most, what I would just it's probably good fellas is probably my choice. Good fellas. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll say Godfather. Cause it's the right answer. 
Um, you know, I, I know it's trendy to, you know, to say number two, but like the Godfather just changed everything uh, for all time. Now, I'll also say I stumbled on Taxi Driver. Uh, I just you know, watched and, it and, too. And, 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 and it's insane. It's like, you can't believe it. But the, the, so uh, the, the one thing that, that, that two has is, is De Niro. I mean, I, you know, that, that is, that story is tremendous. I mean, they're, they're one and two, they're one and two, literally one and two, but wow, taxi would... driver, Go ahead. taxi driver, you gotta watch the insanely comical violent sequence at the end where he comes in to the to the to the cat house to the to the tenement where the bad stuff's being done to Jodie Foster, and the guy comes down the stairs at Travis Bickle, and it's like you know, I love that everybody sees this fucking lunatic in a mohawk, and it's like, hey, get lost, man! Like instead of like, hey, buddy, can I help you? Like you, you know, you, I would be very gentle with Travis Bickle with the fucking De Niro Manson lamps and the mohawk. I'm like, hey, buddy. They're all like, hey, get lost. So then the guy raises his hand and De Niro blows, <laughs> blows he blows half his hand off. So that's the first, like he comes down the stairs. This guy pulls a gun out, blows half your hand off. Then De Niro goes by him. The guy is, is alive with his hand blown off. He's pissed at De Niro. He doesn't flee out the front door. I would be like, too. I'm, again, I, I, I'm gonna live. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna uh, do calligraphy again. But I am gonna live because this guy just blew my hand off. The guy chases De Niro up the stairs, going "fuck you, motherfucker! How dare you blow my hand off!" Like he will not. <laughs> he will not take life. For an answer. He will not take life for an answer. I think he even spills into the yeah. room with him. Like De Niro, like, De Niro is not the Lone Ranger with such precise shooting that he just went for your two digits there. He he, he just as easily would have shot you in the head there, yeah. pal. And then <laughs> and then when the, finish the job, De Niro. But then the guy comes out um of the room. I think he's maybe he's the he's not the John. I don't maybe he is. I don't know, but but the guy who comes out and catches De Niro unawares at the top of the stairs, he just puts his gun right against De Niro's arm and shoots him in the arm. There's already gunshots, blood, carnage. Like, uh, feel free to finish this guy off with one to the head. Like, he puts his gun against De Niro's arm. Like, it's and it is it is the craziest seven minutes. Like, you the 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 cartoonish violence all the bad decisions that are made throughout that sequence. Um, delightful. If you hold that up, right. It, the Eddie Spaghetti's of the world who are cinephiles of the 21st century, at least when you look back at that, I always say the worst movie made in 2021, at least looks infinitely slicker than the best picture of the mid seventies. Just the progress, obviously um, with that, but it, I can't imagine how Eddie Spaghetti would react to, to to the effects or lack thereof in a movie like Taxi Driver. It's it's so distractingly I've seen awful. Taxi Driver. Oh, have you? It's, it's nice. a, that, that end is bizarre. But also, the other thing that stands out from Taxi Driver is Harvey Keitel's marvelous turn with the long hair and the '70s speak, and otherwise he's he's dynamite in that one. Yeah, Godfather's been on a lot. Godfather Two's been on a lot lately, and I can't turn them off once I I lock into those. Um, would you rather for the rest of your life 
get to watch mob movies or sports movies, and you can never watch the other ever again. Well, I would say I'd rather watch mob movies because I already fucking hemorrhaged so much of my life on sports that if I had to, you know, I mean, enough already with the sports. That's how I feel by the time it's like recreation. It's like I've done 10 hours of watching games. Now let me watch fucking Hoosiers again. We also don't need when Mike Ruzioni and Mark Johnson still walk the planet Earth. We don't need remakes when we have documentary evidence of what happened in 1980 with the U.S. versus uh, the Soviet Union in hockey, why must we fictional? Why, why must we? Why must we dramatize that? We already have the 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 film, you know. I, I I'm against the, the the that movie that people hold up as one of the best sports movies of all time. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Arruzioni because this has been uh, bugging me, but. Uh, after Jalen Suggs, beat, you know, beats UCLA with with the buzzer beater, of course, have a take. Skip Bayless has to say that wasn't a classic right. because it was one on a lucky shot. And it's like, OK, you know, I guess you're trolling me because now I fucking hate you even more, which I didn't think was possible. But then you like you quickly go through history and you're like. Well, Michael Ruzioni's fucking floater, like, how the hell did that end up in the back of the net? Like, okay, so that's not a classic. The U.S. beating Russia is not a classic, according. What an impoverished life this fucking guy must lead. That nothing, nothing can be a classic if the ball rolls through Buckner's legs, if if Ruzioni floats in the wrister, if Suggs banks in the game winner. These none of these, none of these are any fun. They're not classics. Like what? Oh God! How you know? How, imagine working with that guy every day. I, I, I I'm with you. Compl- obviously, that we could go through any number. The immaculate reception never happened. You know that that wasn't a classic Lucky play. Yeah, Tyree. most famous play in pro football history. But it was a fluke, so I can't. Uh, I, I'm not interested in indulging that. Let me indulge this quickly, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll do. I. I these people tying themselves in the in the knots about the first round draft pick or, or a, r- drafting a running back in the first round. The measure has become, and it's exactly what you were getting at 20 minutes ago uh, before I distracted us. But the measure for a Patriots fan is, yeah, Sony Michelle gave us the uh, uh, helped us a, in a major way get that Lombardi Trophy when it was the Chiefs or the Rams season for sure without a question one of those those were the best and yet the Patriots snuck through and got yet another one largely because of the performance of Sony Michelle in December and January and in that Super Bowl and that's I, I don't get this the the measure has now become yeah but you here's how you know that you that there's no value in a running back because look at the rate of second contracts given by the teams that drafted those running backs versus other positions it's like you understand that it's not 1978 anymore. There is free agency that gets in the way of that. Um, there is, I mean, th- people know Andrew Luck retired prematurely, right? Like the, the idea, like we're drafting a guy because we expect him to be around for the next dozen years is stinking antiquated thinking. Um, and, you know, CTE specifically, if you're a running back, I, I, I wouldn't advise anybody. If you're a high-end athlete, you're really good at football and you project to playing uh, power five football and maybe having an NFL career, don't be a running back because there's not as much money in it as there is in being at this point a receiver or a cornerback or otherwise. 
but that's not the concern of the team. If you get four or five good years out of a running back, or if you get one special postseason run, like we talked about with Danny Kelly last week, the mistake for the Jags was not drafting Leonard Fournette. It was assuming that, well, we better not mess with things. We have Leonard Fournette coming off a great rookie season and that great defense, run it back with Blake Bortles. What they should have done was drafted Lamar Jackson. That was the mistake. The mistake by the Cowboys isn't drafting Zeke Elliott. It's giving him a second contract. The second contract to David Johnson for uh, from uh, from the Cardinals is the mistake, not drafting any of these guys. Um, and so I, I, I feel like we this has gone too far. Everybody, like I say, is tying themselves in the knots to convince you that it's a bad idea to draft a running back. The Steelers, I will say, are much closer to the Patriots of 2018 than they are to you know to the, the Carolina Giants, Panthers the with uh, Bart with Saquon taking right exactly and so I think about, the bottom line is reading the tea leaves the Steelers are anxious to get a running back but they are not going to be so rigid as a lot of these people are pounding the table they must take a tackle in the first round like what if the three tackles that they covet in the first round aren't there anymore should they still take a tackle this is what people are doing at the same time people have no ability to assess who's a good offensive lineman, which 300-pound man leans best on other large men. But they do know running back doesn't matter. The Steelers already have. They have Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane. That'll be good enough. Like, that's not uh, the idea. I'd rather have a good offensive line and a mediocre running back. The Steelers do not have a mediocre running back. They, They must reach that level. They must go up a little bit to get somebody. That's the issue there. Stop acting as though it makes me crazy that, Zach Banner is not sufficient at right tackle. You don't know. We haven't even seen him play, let alone uh, once you do see him play, you won't know if he's good or not. We have to wait for uh, for the smarts like Jeff Schwartz to let us know. And I do want to give a shout out to Schwartz. Muzzle Tub on his great show on uh, Wednesday, on uh, Tuesday night, uh, his big boys club. Make sure you check that on YouTube. Of course, all minus three faithful know about Schwartz's great work already. Hench. Hey, so to your point about like which which offensive tackle is going to be Anthony Munoz, you know, like, you know, the, it, and Sewell is like the guy, right? So it's like, so a lot of people in the Bengals, Sewell under five and a half draft spots is plus 145. But everyone seems to think the Bengals are going to take him at five. But I think if there are five QBs that are coveted and you don't want a QB and you have the fifth draft pick, can't you slide down and maybe you'll get Slater instead of Sewell? But like, it doesn't seem that risky that you won't get a left tackle. But you, if that number five has more, you could get picks and your guy. If you trade that five pick to one of these quarterback desperate teams, maybe it's you're funny. It's finally reached critical mass here in 2021 that people have finally figured out that one of the more fraudulent professions out there for grownups is draft and a draft uh, wizard being a personnel guy. And it's a 60, 40 crap shoot. Everybody has now figured this out. And then the news comes. Oh, see, Belichick, genius again, because that's why he trades back. More picks means uh, a higher chance that you're going to succeed with one of those picks since it's a crapshoot. Um, that, that's what people are trading on now, that this is the savvy move to make. I'm with you where the Bengals are concerned. By the way, they already have Jonah Williams. They burnt the first-round pick on him two years ago. What happened to that? They signed a, a right tackle already. So 
I don't think there's such a desperate need. I think they're loco if Kyle Pitts is there or Jamar Chase to pass on one of those guys for another offensive lineman. And I'm not uh, playing fantasy football. I get the importance of the offensive line, but Sewell better go to, like I keep saying, he better go to the Hall of Fame for all the fancy projections about Kyle Pitts' future. Sewell better be the next Anthony Munoz to make it worthwhile to pass on Kyle Pitts if he does even make it to, to pick number five there. Um, past the Atlanta Falcons. That's the team. That's the team to watch. Are they going to trade back here now? If they move, that could, I, the Patriots are going to do anything, and they want to be certain that they get their guy at four, then it would have to be the number four with the Falcons. So maybe that'll happen. Anyway, I can't wait to watch it. Um, Hench, good stuff from you. Um, hey, real quick, because it yeah. just came over the wire. Um, Spaghetti, do you, do you know who Michael Collins was? Not the not the um the guy uh, I think Liam Neeson played right. uh the the uh, the astronaut Michael Collins no it doesn't ring a bell okay well so have you heard of Buzz Aldrin I have yes H- have you heard of Neil Armstrong I have yes okay all right well Michael Collins just passed away hmm. uh age ninety and he was the guy the reason you haven't heard of him. He was the guy who had to stay, stay in the uh, capsule. You've heard of Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong because they got to go run around. Uh, and, and so, but as I was reading the, uh, the notice that, that at, at age 90, uh, M- Michael Collins says, cast off this mortal coil, which I guess he's already cast off this mortal coil m- more than once because he, he went to outer space. But you're kind of our Michael Collins here, Spaghetti. I don't know which uh. one of us is is Armstrong and which one of us is Buzz Aldrin, but we couldn't do it without you. We need the guy in the capsule uh, running the ship, and we appreciate you, and we want you to have a, a great time. Be safe up there in Yosemite, big man, although you're the size of a bear, so maybe I should, I should be more worried about the bears. Um, Don't push but, yourself uh, too hard. Your heart can only take so much given your – you know, your but but uh, return to us in in good shape, fortified, uh, and we'll uh, we'll see it. We'll see you next didn't week. Buzz, didn't Buzz resent Neil for getting to take the walk? Isn't that? Uh, I, I don't think that's a tall tale. Well, I think. of course, and it had to go like one, two, three, right? Like Buzz gets back in the capsule and goes, "This motherfucker," and then Michael Collins goes, "You're pissed about him? How do you think I felt?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I had to stay in here and make sure the heat stayed on. So you're buzzed then because you're resentful. You you would like, like Boston sports fans, you would love to claim the crown of City of Champions. Unfortunately, it's already been claimed. You can be whatever else you want to be. Kind of like that, right? Well, who – I mean, I think Neil Armstrong is first man. Yeah. And, and, and so if it's – if we're just looking at you versus me – I'm yeah. Armstrong. I'm Armstrong, obviously. <laughs> I'm well, fine with Collins. And I appreciate that, uh, that shout out. Hench. Thank you, you did walk on this giant orb before I did. So by, <laughs> so by that measure, I guess you, you can be Neil Armstrong. I'll give it to you. Um, all right. Great stuff as always. Hench. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the draft. Hope your Patriots don't blow it this time around. Um, or more than they usually do. I, I can't wait to see if they do get a quarterback. That'll be fun uh, by itself to follow that one. Um, all right, there goes uh, the great Kevin Hench. And now, even from his perch up there in Yosemite, 
Hockey talk must continue. It's time for Eddie Spaghetti and his pal Mikey Meatballs with a review of the best division in sports. Here comes Spaghetti and Meatballs. All right, another Spaghetti and Meatballs uh, Wednesday edition. We're trying to record this ahead of the draft. I'm on the road in Yosemite. Uh, I am wearing my Rangers hat, but I am once again outdone by Mikey Meatballs, who is wearing a Jerome McGinley Calgary Flames, like the throwback red sweater with the beautiful C on the front. And we were just saying off air, Meatballs, that like I growing up, I loved Jerome McGinley because he was captain. He was good. Like it's, you know, 30, 40 goals, no problem. But he'd also get into fights. Like he was getting a ton of yeah. fighting majors. And you don't, I mean, fighting as a whole has gone significantly down in the NHL, as we all know. But just seeing your captain do that, like, can you imagine like Connor McDavid or Crosby or someone like just getting into scuffles every game? That's what, that's what McGinley was doing. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. He was, um, the fl- when we were younger in my my house, we liked the Flames because they were, you know, other than the Islanders, we liked the Flames because they had cool jerseys and because yeah. Jer- Jerome McGinley was the captain. And he was, like you said, a great player and a great fighter. And he was just, like like you said, we need more guys in the NHL like that right now. I, fighting has to come back, I mean, to an extent, but we you rarely ever see it, like, from the top-end players. It's always, like, you know, your bottom three, four-line guys, maybe some defense mix it in. You know, we've seen Char, dude, who was a captain, but, like, a Ginla, mm-hmm. man, like, the guy would – he'd get a hat trick, and then he'd, you know, go fight your other teams, like, you know, Goon or something. It was yeah. – uh, he was he was a lot, of, uh, a lot of fun to watch. But uh, a lot to get into, some – two of the topics, some news and notes stuff. But the first topic we're going to get into I think could be pretty fun. So let's get into our third star of the week here. We're at the point now in the season we're talking about who's going to win the Vesna, who's going to win the Hard, the Norris, you know, et cetera. So let's talk about the Hard Trophy, but for the East Division only, who would be your – Hart Trophy for the Mass Mutual East after the season's almost wrapped up. We're almost at playoff time here, but who would you give that trophy for based on just the East Division? Well, it's certainly not anyone for the Islanders right now. Um, <laughs> they are not they're not playing great, uh, but I'm not too worried about them. Probably the only Islander fan who's not. But if I have to say, I'd probably pick Brad Marchand. Um, I think overall he's been the best player in the division. He's defensively, offensively, you know, he just does a great job and I I hate playing him. And I know Dave doesn't like him either. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure you don't like him either. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it it just is on ice presence is annoying. I'd hate to play against him. I hate watching him play against my team and he's just good at everything. So that he's, he's, he's done a great job this year. Marshawn, he, he may be, is he like the guy, the main guy in the NHL? It's like you would love to have him on your roster, but the minute he's on a different team, you're just like, I'm sick of this guy. I can't get it. Not like almost like the Sean Avery mold. Like I love Sean yeah. Avery as a Ranger. Not obviously Avery, not as talented as Marshawn. And like you mentioned, plays both, both ends of the ice. He does it all. But I feel like he has to be up there in that conversation, right? Like he's just oh, such yeah, an easy force, but he's on your squad. It's like, man, I, I would take a bullet for that guy. That guy is the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, uh, without a doubt. Yeah, he. That's a really good answer. Just to change up a bit, and really, really shocking here. I'm going to go pick a ranger, but I think, I think that it makes a lot of sense. And I'm going to go with Artemi Panarin because the ward is you know, the Hart Memorial Trophy is the most valuable player. Now, in terms of value, we saw it happen when he was missing games. When the Breadman was out, the Rangers were out of the. You know, they're they're going to probably miss the playoffs. And I'm going to point that towards the Putin Breadman 
issue they've had for those weeks at a time when he was gone, he comes back in, you know, his, his like points per game, his pace would be incredible. It was like in the 120 point, you know, if you prorated for a full, you know, 80 plus game season, I've never really seen a player in my lifetime on the Rangers that as talented as him. I kind of just missed Yager's a little too young for that to really grasp what he was doing, but he's so smooth and, you know, you can easily give this one to Crosby, I would say, but it's like when people in the NBA used to vote for Michael Jordan for MVP and they got kind of like fatigued from it. And they're like, I'm tired of voting for MJ. I want to give it to somebody else. Like, yeah, of course you can give it to Crosby. I will say the Penn's team is in the playoffs and they have a bunch of other really, really good talented players on that roster. I know they have dealt with their injury issues. I mean, the Brownman's on the score sheet every single night. The guy is electric. He's a phenomenal scorer. He's a great passer. And you know, if he did play these full season this, this year, I, it's hard to argue the Rangers would one be in the playoffs and two, he'd be in the Hart Trophy Memorial race with Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews and, and Crosby. So he is my pick. So some exciting news. Now we talked about this weeks ago when the NHL got the ESPN deal, the ABC deal, and we're going to have, you know, Friday night games on, on ESPN. I believe they're getting the, the Stanley cup and the even uh, numbered years. And now Turner goes and gets the other odd years. And we're going to have games now on TNT that I heard like HBO max and everything like that. I mean, ultra exciting news, obviously. And really what I just want is Charles Barkley and Kevin Harlan, like calling a game together. That's like the ideal hockey watching my Rangers play with Chuck and Kevin Harlan, like screaming about something would just be the best hockey experience ever do you think chuck can name more than like three nhl teams do you think he could i think he could name three teams i think he would i would probably you know, he, he could definitely name some of the original six i mean he would know like he played in phoenix right so you may know the coyotes i, I mean he'd probably you gotta he'd throw in like a red wings i mean maybe a rangers or something like that i mean you, you gotta know something I, and I think in terms of players he may know like ovechkin that's about right. it. But but I don't want Chuck to know anything about the league or the players. That's what that's why I wanted to call the game. I want him to know absolutely nothing and just be there and be an entertaining guy. So that alone is why this deal is great. But I also do love the exposure. And I will say getting, you know, the NBA on TNT has that, that with their product, in terms of their pregame show with Chuck and Ernie and, and Kenny the Jet Smith uh, and Shaquille O'Neal, it's the best sports show or show period mm-hmm. and it really really drove the popularity of the nba where the you have guys who are maybe like the 30 40th best player in the nba but they're like almost international like superstars like they're recognized everywhere and i really really hope uh, and the same goes for disney but i think also having this tnt deal helps to just push the league even more make it more you know on a, like a regular basis where it's not in this niche sport everyone just watches the nhl they see a game on they leave it on up grow the league so it's awesome i love it so much but yes again please kevin harlan charles barkley call game well to to counter that how about we get Steve Elkett from the Rangers? Yes, who's love a character. Him. Yes, and Butch Goring That's, as their yes. own inside NHL type thing. We are, we are, we are, this. we are spoiled. The MSG Networks have done a really good job of getting a they, good group of guys yes. uh, to talk about those teams. Yes. Now let's. How about we have them on HBO Max, right? Because they're they're part of the deal, and just mm-hmm. have an uncensored broadcast, and just let them say whatever they want, speak their mind. Bias, unbiased, whatever it is, I'd watch it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd definitely watch it. Meebles, I'm going to clip this off, and we're going to send it over to HBO to, just to give them that idea. Free of charge. They got to make this is, it happen. There was a minor mess up, though, and I know you wrote it down in our rundown. Do you want to discuss that really? I mean, it's hilarious. It's sad, but hilarious. Screw yeah. up by, by Turner. Yeah, so they're obviously NBA, and I guess whoever was running the 
you know, production for that graphic. Probably just Googled Oilers captain thinking it was Connor McDavid. Uh, and it was older captain Andrew Ference, um of oh. Edmonton, Edmonton legend. I think he played with Boston too, right? He probably oh, played with a few I know him all, and- all over, yeah. I know him as more so as a, a Bruin, Bruin really, than, than an Oiler. I mean, because I went yeah. to school there and he was there and when they were in their cup runs and everything. But and then also it's like Connor McDavid is what especially when th- these deals happen next next year and it's on ESPN, it's on TNT. The same way we see LeBron and KD and Giannis, all these guys plastered everywhere. It's like, what do you think it's gonna be Connor McDavid? Like Connor yeah, McDavid is exactly. the guy. Like he yeah. he's gonna win the heart this year. He is an electric player. Everyone, everyone pretty much should know Connor McDavid. I know I understand he's a Canadian born player, but it's like Andrew Ference. It's like he, he, even if you're an NHL fan, you may not even remember his name. Connor McDavid is a, su- a legitimate superstar. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want to dig into them too much because, like you said, it's probably some social media person who may not know a ton about it and they're mainly focused on the NBA and they had to do that. But man, oh man, you got to, you got to be better than that. Yeah. They could have just Googled best NHL player and found, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, found a result pretty easily. So, I don't know. You ever see the the Andrew Ference after he scored a goal where he, he flipped off the crowd? That's yes, one of my of favorite highlights. From yeah, that's. I guess that that's kind of how I remember him. So right, and to wrap this up, I don't want to. I know I'm not trying to poo poo Andrew Ference's career. I'm like I mean, he was a huge part of that that Boston Bruins machine, the 2011 team mm-hmm. that that won, and he was uh, you know a great player. Obviously good enough to get the captaincy in Edmonton, but like it's Connor McDavid. Yeah. Like please figure it out. And this one is just more of a news and notes thing. Like I mentioned, it is the dealing with the NHL playoffs and the border patrol kind of issues here with the U S and the Canadian border. Now the first round of the playoffs and second round of the playoffs will be done in division, obviously. But then once we get to the third round of the playoffs, you'll have the winner of that division. Obviously the, the Canadian teams are all in one giant division. That winner will have to play the teams based in the States. And the NHL is really letting this, like, you know, this is thing just ticking along. They're going to wait to the last possible second to figure out what their plan is. And from what me and you have read and researched, it seems like the only two options are number one is give the NHL special pass to travel between the United States and Canada without the 14 day mm-hmm. or seven day, depending what it's going to be by then uh, quarantine, mandatory quarantine by the Canadian government. And the other option, and this one kind of stinks, and I guess is what we'll talk about, is that the winner of that division, the Canadian North Division, will have to relocate to an American city because they're not doing a a bubble style like they did last year that we've seen in the NBA as well. They would have to relocate to an American city and play there. And, you know, uh, they're going to lose. You know, there's no real home ice advantage. I understand, obviously, not going to have Canadian fans in there anyway. But there is something to be said about the travel and just being in your home state, in your home locker room. You're you're traveling from where you live. You know, let's mm-hmm. just say it is Toronto, off of Toronto. Players live in Toronto. They don't live in, you know, Detroit or where they're going to move it to the city. So th- there's a couple logistical oddities with this. And, I, you know, I know the Blue Jays had to relocate as well. But when it's playoff hockey, when it's third round playoff hockey, and you're like, hey, by the way, you, you know, you got to travel. Your home ice is now an American city away from your actual home. It changed the whole player's routine. And I think it's it's messy. But really, if they're not going to get that special pass to travel beyond the borders, I don't know what the best option here is. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think, I don't know, if the players are comfortable with it and, you know, they test negative, I don't see why there can't be a special pass to, to play in between borders. Right. It's not like they're going to be traveling all throughout the, you know, they get on a plane or a bus and they go from 
city A to city B. So I don't know before I get canceled for discussing this, but uh, no, I, I know. Hey, 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 listen, it's just it was just we're just reporting the news, just news and notes, no no opinions here. We're just letting you know what we read on NHL.com. So don't take anything up with us. Yeah, I, I definitely think though, you know, I, I think they're going to try for the special uh, special pass because if it, it's really not fair to, to be that deep in the playoffs and then have to come down, you know, to the U.S. if when you have home ice advantage or whatever, so. I don't know, NHL, make it happen, figure it out. You're you're uh you got some smart people there. So to wrap to wrap this up on a, on a more positive note and a more uh hockey note, uh out of that Canadian North division, do you think it's gonna be the Maple Leafs or do you see an upset happening somewhere? I don't know. I really like Winnipeg. You do? I, I don't I do okay. I am a big Winnipeg fan. I know Ehlers okay. is out for the regular season, but I think they expect him to be back for the playoffs. So I, I almost think they're kind of holding him out a little bit extra too, because they know he'll be back, but right. I do like Winnipeg and Winnipeg just for future reference, they're going to be a really good team for a really long time because they have everyone locked up and they got the kid perfect too in the waiting room. So, Oh, there you go. Winnipeg will be the team traveling to the United States. You heard it from Mikey meatballs. Good stuff there, Eddie spaghetti. Best of your pal meatballs. Ooh, late breaking Teddy Bridgewater to the Denver Broncos. I guess that blows up my Justin Fields uh, to the Broncos thing. See, we're, we're right up to the minute here. Or do you think Justin Fields still would go there? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally concerned. Like, I think if they want fields, I'm, I'm pretty sure Denver always had a quarterback in mind throughout this draft process. I don't think Teddy B really changes that. Teddy B is a guy that he's a serviceable backup. He's not really the, you know, the franchise starting one for seasons at a time. Uh, he's just a guy that never really got into the perfect fit to let his career kind of flourish. He's bounced around. I feel bad for the guy, but no, I, I think they're going to go with the rookie. Do you? I hope so. Cause I, you know, I'm big on the chargers winning the AFC West and, and, we need another good team. Well, the Raiders, I guess, can still knock the Chiefs down once um, in the season, too. So, anyway, enjoy the draft, everybody. Enjoy all that goes on in the East Division in the NHL and the Eastern Conference in the NBA and, uh, you know, the aforementioned Major League Baseball divisions that we focus on here. And we'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce for you on the other side of the draft and the rest of the sports weekend. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>